are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. Scholars disagree about the sermon on the plain that we're going to talk about today. That's reported in Luke in the sixth chapter. Some would say it's a part of, actually a part of the Sermon on the Mount as written in the Gospel of Matthew. The Beatitudes that are in the Gospel of Matthew are more expansive. There's more of those than what we see in Luke. One scholar I read said that it wasn't unusual for itinerant itinerant pastors or preachers to say some of the very same things as they moved around. I'm sure that if we were preaching place to place or you were giving talks in different places that that's much what you would find as well. We, we might repeat some of those same things. I lean toward believing that the Sermon on the Plain and the Sermon on the Mount are two different occasions. But I'll leave that to people wiser than me because we're going to spend our time in Luke 6 today and investigate this Sermon on the Plain. If you'll catch up with me at verse 17 in chapter 6 of Luke, if you happen to have the version app, then you'll be able to follow along with the scriptures, plus I've dropped some notes in there that, uh, that you can use. If you do use the app and you decide to use the notes section, be sure and hit that save button at the top, and then uh, that'll keep that for, your, for you to go back and look at again. I wonder if you've ever considered whether or not there should be some kind of a checklist to determine what a good person is. There's a, I hear people say sometimes, or I've heard them say before that, that, you know, I feel like I'm a good person. I feel like I'm a good person. And I wonder if there should be a checklist for being a good person. Maybe a checklist for being a good husband, or for being a good wife, or perhaps a good son or a good daughter. I remember a fellow telling me one time, he, uh, he was saying that really that when he thought about the encouraging words from his mother, that the only encouraging words that he could remember her saying was, well, I'll tell you what, you keep acting like that and you're going to end up in jail just like your father. I tell you what, that's not very encouraging words, is it? Obviously not the encouraging words. It paints a, it paints a bleak future for that child. It's sure not the blessing that we understood that Scripture laid out for us and how we're supposed to provide for our children and the blessing that we're supposed to give our children. See, for many of us, we perhaps had some instruction about being a good person, about being a Christian. I recall a phrase that my mother used, and, and my mother would say this to me. I'd come home, I'd, be, I'd come home whining about people and and about the fact I didn't get a fair shake or somebody got something I didn't get. My mother had a great phrase, and she used it, believe me, more than once on me. said that everyone else in the world might be a jerk, but you never have the right to be one. Let me say it again, and it's in your version app. Everybody else in the world might be a jerk, but you never have the right to be one. See, these types of statements, whether it's the one about you're going to end up in prison like your father, or whether it's perhaps other things that other people or mentors or parents might have told us, those are the things that, that start to form a basis for who we are and how we act. 
I have concerns sometimes that perhaps that these attributes of a good person about being a good Christian, that perhaps often those in our care, we don't say that enough to them. We need to make sure we say it and that we reinforce those kinds of attributes. Some people would say, well, man, those are high standards. Well, sure, they ought to be. We should be setting high standards for ourselves and high standards for others that are in our care. Jesus, in these next few verses of the sixth chapter of Luke, he paints a concise picture of some of the characteristics that, the, that his followers should have, that they should possess. It's the kind of characteristics that lead to a heaven as an eternal home. See, this occurred during a time that the Jewish people, they knew a lot about struggles because they were living under the, the ruthless rule of the Roman Empire. So they understood a lot about challenges in life. So let's pick it up at chapter 6 in Luke then. And it says that he went down to them. He went down with them. Now, understand, and if you've been listening the last few weeks, you understand that, that Jesus has gathered the 12. He's gathered his team. He has a new team in place getting ready for this ministry progress that's about to be made. So he says he went down with them, with his new team, these newbies, and he stood on a level place. Well, you might, re might remember that when I started this, I said this was the Sermon on the Plain because the, the, the way the, the uh, topography, the land laid out ne next to the Sea of Galilee, and there was kind of raised areas around it, but then there was this flat plain. It made pretty much an amphitheater which allowed the speaker to be up a little bit higher, elevated enough where people could see and to hear to broadcast, but you can see that they were set up for this large group that was there. And then it goes on to say this in your scripture. It says, a, a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from he, him and healing them all. I can't even imagine the excitement that would have gone on and the emotion that would have gone on. Can you imagine, you know, we, we talk about people trying to contain crowds. I mean, you, can you imagine that this healing process was going on and the power was going out from him and what the people would have felt like and just, just, just the crowd of, of, and how they were reacting. But let's go back to our checklist a minute again, the one we talked about, that, about being a good person, about being a Christian. And let's hear a checklist that's described by Jesus. Now remember that the Beatitudes are a Latin word, and they come from the word Beatus, B-E-A-T-U-S. And all Beatus really means is happy and blessed. So even when you read this, blessed are those, you can also substitute the word happy in those same places. And this is what it says then as we pick it up in verse 20. Looking at his disciples, let's th think about that just a minute. Looking at his disciples, that, that was an important statement that was made in Scripture. And I wondered to myself, why, why did they stop and do that? Why was he doing it? Well, remember that he's looking at these new guys. 
He's prepping them for the work that's about to be done. He's letting them understand that, that what I'm going to do is I'm going, to be, I'm going to be giving you, I'm going to be infusing knowledge into you as I speak these words because these are the things I'm going to define to you, you leaders, and what you're going to do to explain to people what living the Christian life is like. It almost strikes me like, a, like this, are you paying attention? Him asking, are you paying attention? Because what he's doing, he's really saying, listen guys, you're not only just going to hear these concepts, but it's going to be up to you to relay and to teach these same concepts. It reminds me of a parent that might say, look at me when I'm talking to you. I heard that a couple times. Or perhaps, I want you to look me in the eyes because what I'm saying is important and I want to know that you're listening to me. That's the kind of thing that Jesus was saying to these 12, this new team that he had gathered. It's a good reminder for us, I think, because the reality for us as Christians, I think sometimes, it's kind of like I talked about up here in the very first of, the, of, the, of our service, I think sometimes we kind of think, well, I'm designed to be a hearer of the word. But what scripture says, we're not only supposed to just hear it, but we're also supposed to apply it, to spread it, to teach it. He goes on then in the scripture that we're studying today, he says, blessed or happy. Blessed are you. He's saying it's present tense. Okay, here, this is a group of people that are under Roman rule. They don't have it that good, trust me. But he's saying, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Now when it talks about poor, it's using a word, if you go look it up and you take it back to the original meeting, it's, it's referring to someone who would be a beggar or a pauper. That's the connotation it carries with you. So I'm kind of wondering, so why, I don't know why you'd be happy about being poor. He's saying, be happy that you're poor. Be happy that you're poor. Well, you know one thing about poor people? If you're a pauper, if you're a beggar, you're dependent on somebody. You're dependent on somebody when you're in that state. And in this case, the somebody that's talking is saying, I want you to depend on me, Jesus, because you are poor. This is what it says in Zechariah. It says this, and this was him speaking. The, the gentleman that were, that's addressed here is actually a, was a governor of Judea, and he was going to be starting to rebuild a temple. And this is what was said in Zechariah that the Lord said. He said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He said, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So what's he saying? He's saying, okay, it's not because of what you do, God's saying. It's because of what I can do through you. What a great reminder for us that it's, it's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it's really whatever I accomplish or whatever I can do is because of the Spirit of the Lord, that dependence we have on Him. See, really when you read this, and I've read it a lot of times through the years, but when you read this, you, you think about this poor, and we think about it, I mean, our mind goes to, I don't have any money. And that, that's kind of what we get from that poor. But, but I really believe that what's here is actually a spiritual 
theme that's being given by Jesus. Because what he's saying, he said, because those of you that are spiritually bankrupt, if you're spiritually bankrupt, he said, you need to depend on me as part of the process. Charles Spurgeon said this, he said, it's not what I have, but what I have not. In our vernacular, we might say, it's not what I have, but it's what I do not have. That is the first contact between my soul and God. And what he's saying, he said, he said, it's not what you have, he said, but it's what you don't have. And what you don't have then is when you start to build a relationship with Christ, that's the starting place for everything else that matters. It goes on in the next verse then and says this in verse 21. Blessed are you who hunger now, present tense again, blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied, future tense. A time is coming. See, and I would imagine for those of us that have lived a while, we'd say, you know, when I, if I'd have made a list going along, there was a lot of things I wanted. There was a lot of things I'd even probably thought I might get. A lot of ways that I thought life would work out for me. But the reality, it doesn't always do that. He's saying that if we're, if we're physically hungry, then we're going to be trying to figure out how to fill, fill our belly, right? If we're hungry, we're going to try to figure out, how do I get some food in here? But for us, if we're spiritually hungry, then what we should be, we should be likewise driven for this relationship with Jesus and his righteousness, his right living. People at that time surely knew that being hungry and thirsty, they knew what it was like. But see, so many times I think, and I think that what can contribute to our spiritual malaise I talked about earlier I think that we can become comfortable. We can be comfortable and we can kind of take our faith and we can put it on cruise control. We can kind of just kind of drift spiritually. But see, us being spiritually hungry and chasing after God is different than a spiritual snack. I, I kind of, as I thought about this, I kind of envisioned going up to the concession stand at the ball game. And, you know, I went up there because I was spiritually hungry and and I looked at what they had to offer, and I just said, well, I tell you what, uh, I don't want to go too deep in all this Jesus stuff, so I tell you, well, why don't you just give me a spiritual snack? That's really all I need. I just need a snack. And then he says, blessed are you who weep now, present tense again, See, often we weep over sin and the effects of sin. And you may say, well, really, mine had to do with the loss of a loved one. But if you think about it, that still all goes back to the, to the relationship of sin back in the time. But sometimes we weep over sin or the effects of sin. And sometimes we, we're slow or perhaps we need to be reminded that we have to grasp the grace of Jesus we, we need to realize that our sins are forgiven and that as a result of that happening, I can walk in a new freedom. And as the rest of verse 21 says, it says, for you will laugh, for you will laugh. It said, blessed are you who weep now, 
for you will, future tense, laugh. Psalms, the 30th chapter, in verse 5, says, says that weeping may endure for a night. Weeping may endure or last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That's what Psalms tells us. It goes on and says, Blessed are you when people hate you. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound very exciting to me. Blessed are you when people exclude you. Blessed are you when people insult you. And when they reject your name as evil, why? Because of the Son of Man, because of Jesus. In the days of Jesus, no question that the early Christians faced a lot of things like that. Early Christians faced a lot of hate, a lot of exclusion. They faced a lot of insults, persecution, rejection, to the point of even literally being put to death. Why? Because of their faith in Jesus, because they chose to follow him. Think about the world that we live in today. Think about where we are and the things. See, you know, even if we experience those things, typically those aren't threats to our person. You know, we don't fear for our life typically as a result of those. But it's evident to me, after living on this earth for a while, that the world literally, the world, literally hates much of what believers stand for. It doesn't take much awareness to realize that, that and I think about this, I think, I, I think about the things that I hold dear as a Christian, as a man, and then I look at some of the things the world's doing, and they could not be more diametrically opposed to the things that I believe in. And I think about that because I'm thinking, okay, do I line up with what Scripture says? But see, it would be a natural thing, wouldn't it, for the world to oppose the things of God that's based on God's word. But here, verse 23, about us being hated and excluded and insulted and rejected, this is what it says. Rejoice in the day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how your ancestors treated the prophets. So what he's really saying, guess what, guys? This isn't anything new. He's saying, go back hundreds of years, and our ancestors got treated just exactly like that. They were insulted. They were hated. They were persecuted for the things that they believed in. There was a man named Lawrence Saunders, and Mr. Saunders was in 1554. I'm going to take you back. We're going to go back about 450 years and he was arrested in 1554 by the Bishop of London. Why was he arrested? He was arrested because he was being critical because he said the Church of England was taking a lukewarm indifference to the cause of Christ. That's what he said. He criticized the Church of England and says that the Church was lukewarm when it came to the causes of Christ. Well, while he was chained at the stake, literally, to be burned, that might qualify as persecution, while he was literally chained to the stake to be burned, he kissed the stake and said, Welcome the cross of Christ. Welcome everlasting life. Let me say that again. So here's the guy. He's getting ready to be burned. I mean, I can't imagine much worse death than that. And he kisses the stake that he's chained to. Welcome the cross of Christ. 
welcome everlasting life. So even though hated and insulted, his heart, his heart would leap for joy. Because great, and, and I think we don't get that sometimes, we don't realize the benefit, truly, that he did, because great was his reward in heaven. Move down to the next verse in our scripture today. But woe to you who are rich, who you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. They spoke well of them. We normally don't see much downside. I mean, if you think about it, we don't normally see much downside to being rich. We don't see much downside to being well-fed. You know, we don't see much downside to laughing. But here's where the downside comes in. The downside comes in in those circumstances that when we believe that we have no need for Christ. If I'm rich and I believe, hey, I've got it all. I've done it all. I've made it all myself. I'm a self-made man. Heard that a few times in your life? But the reality of what it's saying is when we start to believe that we have no sense of need, we're on a short string. When we think that living with God is the good times, okay? And we see that and we hear it, don't we? Living a godless life, Man, these are the good times. Eat, drink, and be merry. Or perhaps when people speak well of us, they speak well of us to our face, but they don't speak well of us to our backs. See, all those things are obstacles in coming to the Lord. Because we go back to what we talked about at first. One of the first things he said about the poor is that the poor, they're dependent and see, when we, these obstacles are the things that make, us, that make us independent. We don't need God in our life. But that's a long way from the truth because joy in life, joy in life, it won't always be happy, ha-ha, but joy in life comes for, by the asking. So let's circle back here to where we started. We started we talking about fresh faith and not living our life in a malaise on automatic pilot, but really thinking about, am I really passionate about the things I believe in? Am I, am I sold out to my faith? Question for you, are you poor in spirit? If you're poor in spirit today, see, God's he's, he's ready to fix that for you. He's offering you alternatives if you feel like that you're poor in spirit, if you're spiritually bankrupt, if you're spiritually hungry, God's saying, I have a cure for that. If you're spiritually hungry, you know, you're living in this valley of dry bones that Ezekiel talked about. There's ways out of that, you know. When were you in God's word last? I don't mean just kind of read something quickly on the internet, but when did you spend some time in God's Word? How about prayer? How about the fellowship of other believers that are around you to support you, to encourage you, to pray for you? 
See, all these things are available to us to freshen our faith, to have that fresh faith. And perhaps you're weeping today. Maybe this is that day that Scripture talked about, that we, that we weep for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Because he brought, God promises, in his word, he promises that we will leap for joy if we embrace Christ. And perhaps you feel like right now that you're running contrary to the world. I do. You know, I watch stuff today and I kind of go, wow, I just like I woke up on some other planet or something. But the reality is that we need to consider ourselves blessed because what's the scripture say that who we're supposed to be? Scripture says that we are set apart. That's what scripture says. As believers, we are set apart apart we're different it even has the boldness to say that we're peculiar because we in fact should not be living by the ways of the world I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up but, but let me pray with you today because I pray for you that fresh faith is what you do have that you, that you want to reach out and grasp it if you're passionate about it thank you for doing that but if you're not, if you're in a malaise, if you're on autopilot, I just ask that you think about that and think about, I don't want to be there if I'm spiritually hungry. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, Lord, I want to be yours. I want to be a part of what you have to offer. Because I know I do have a, a reward of this eternity with you, but I also know I have a reward and the joy that I can experience even while living here on planet Earth. Pray with me. Father, I thank you again for the opportunity you've given us today, opportunity to speak out your word, opportunity to hear the praise that comes from our team. Lord, I, I, I lift those people that we, that we mentioned earlier, Lord. They're, they're in a tough spot right now, Lord. I ask you, Father, to just we just ask you to intervene in those circumstances, Lord. Restore them restore them. Do something God that when people look at it they said only God could have done that. We pray all these things in your son Jesus name. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.